Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Bark after dark. What's up, Roos? What up? You ready for tonight's show? We got Andy Staples coming on. Um, I've already told you guys pre uh, pre show. I, I've already fallen asleep one time tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm toast. I'm toast, and I'm going to try to drag through this thing. I don't know why. I feel like somebody's uh, shot me with a dart. I feel like that today, man. I, I get it. I so you know it was so nice here today. It was it was absolutely yeah. gorgeous. It was stunning. And so, like, part of my day, I, I just walked over to the park in town and just sat outside and did some work. And, dude, I got cooked. I mean, I'm, I'm like, ha- half of me is flambé. The other half is normal. But uh, <laughs> the other half is pretty normal. So I got to go tomorrow and uh, sit out in the sun and try to balance this thing out because I look ridiculous right now. A little cognac in a pan. Little, 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 yeah, yeah, a little banana sponsor, brother. Hey, I took uh, – listen, I took my kids to the park yesterday. I took them to a little downtown Jefferson Park. Uh, it's a little AstroTurf deal uh, where they – Apparently, if you let your dog step on the astroturf, you get fined like a grand. Um, they, How they're monitoring that. Yeah, harsh, harsh pee and poop um, uh, prevention there on that uh, on that nice Jefferson astroturf at the park there. But uh, I did the same thing. I got on the show last night, and you're like, "Dude, what are you? Have you been boating? You know, like yeah, I mean, that's that's just kind of how it was. But yeah, it's been gorgeous. Um, gonna get cold again. Uh, I hear kind of later this week, whatever." And then uh, we'll be back to normal, but you know, I don't know. uh, Listen, I listen, I'll take them where I can get them. Days like today, unfortunately, you know, for however you feel about climate change, I don't really care about that. I just don't feel like we get enough days like today uh, anymore. And I feel like we used to maybe when I was a kid, maybe that's just rose colored glasses on my part, but um, not this time of year. We don't, I mean, it's winter time in Georgia, man, has, has become rice paddy season. And uh, yeah, no question. <laughs> I mean, there's still there's still parts of, of my backyard. I'm kind of like, man, it's oh, golly, it's still nice and wet. But I'm really excited about getting Andy Staples on. He should be joining us here in the next few minutes. Um, and we got a lot to talk to him about. I mean, this guy, uh, I feel kind of honored to have Andy on a little bit. I mean, this dude goes on. Pardon my take. I mean, what, what two opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of dudes that know what they're doing and and you know put on a good show. Um, you know, Big Cat, PFT, and then uh, Jake and Jake. Um, maybe one day we'll be big enough they'll have us on, and and they'll say some of the things that we would like to call some of our segments, but we don't because yeah, you're a show. Yeah. 
I, I mean, you know, they, they have the advantage too of like having a nice studio. You're in the dog's HQ bunker, wherever that is. And uh, I'm here in my kitchen clearly. So, um, yeah, I mean, my, I get it. I my get front it. door is right over there. It's not much of a bunker. Oh, was that your front? Oh, I thought you were in the basement for some no, reason. No, no, not yet. Basement's not finished. We haven't, uh, we moved in like six months ago and uh not quite six months ago and we haven't you know unfinished basement really just give us some time but tell me I'm the bunker is coming though i'm in the study is what what it's called and yeah a bunker is coming and uh, right. yeah we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of food in there we're gonna be prepared for end times it's gonna be great <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm coming down i'm coming down to jefferson i owe you a trip anyway yeah you'll uh you, you'll see me reach over here and grab a big can of beanie weenies during a show and just like, turn them back, just throw yeah, it back. It, chug the juice a little yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, and, and, and in a classic West Blankenship fashion, what you drinking? Uh, so tonight I'm going with uh, Sierra Nevada uh, Torpedo. Okay. Uh, the, the extra IPA, super hoppy, man. Um, I went over it tonight. I was doing some writing um, earlier today. and um, I was over at Buckball Brewing, uh, which is my local brewery, my, my favorite guys. Having some uh, super hoppy IPAs, and I thought I'd just continue the trend while I came when I came home. So I'm hey, working on that. I got the Masters Cup, and there's not a whole lot left in here, but uh, went with the uh, classic little ranch water, little tequila, little Topo Chico, and a little lime. We got Andy Staples. Come on in, right, Andy. Man. What's up? What's up, dude? How are you? Good. I need man, to. Thanks so I much for joining us. My pleasure. Whatever Andy Staples is doing for his lighting setup, his camera setup, like I, I look, I, I look like like shit compared to Flint. Yeah, you got a you, you got a backlight. Backlight <laughs> is the key. Like there's, yeah. you have a light on you and a light on the back, and you're good. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, Andy's just also a lot more professional than we are, just in general, and yeah. uh, you know, you know, it's has- funny. This, no company I ever worked for got me these lights or this camera. The, the lights we bought when our kids were very young, like my, I think my son was three and my daughter was two and my wife, we, we'd gone to this lady that, that she works with who also moonlights as a professional photographer. And I remember we took, uh, this was the pregnancy photos for our first kid. And she took this beautiful image and she wanted to put it on a canvas and all that. And the lady and my wife's like, Oh yeah, let's, let's do that. That sounds awesome. And the lady tells us how much it is. And my wife goes, dollars? <laughs> and <laughs> that was the end of professional photography for us. So she's like, yeah. listen, we're getting lights and we're going to take our own pictures of the kids. <laughs> Fortunately, the iPhone has advanced to the point where we don't need any of that stuff. But I, we kept the lights and I found them in a, in like a, we had a, a there's a, an area under our stairwell that was, is just, was just like the storage area and I found them in there and I was like, Oh, well, I can use these. So there you go. Nice. Yeah. That, that photography thing, dude, I mean, getting back to that. Uh, oh, it's tremendous. You know, I keep, I keep like, I keep wanting to do it. Cause I know my wife wants to do it. And I'm just like, you know, I, I do what, you know, you have done here in the last couple of years. And I, I'm like, I got to lose weight. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to spend like, you know, two grand on photos and be just, Oh Yeah. Fat little, you know, M and M looking thing, just suffering um, it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do it. I, can't do it. I, mean, I just, I, I look at my wedding photos and I weigh like two seventy three, and thank goodness I weigh like two forty eight now. But 
Um, you know, I look at 273 in my wedding photos and I'm like, God, what was wrong with you? I mean, you, you were pre-diabetic. What's, well, the, what's I, the, what was the Andy Staples uh, secret to success when it came to losing weight, I guess? Well, I, so here's the diet book I'm going to write. You ready? Left page is going to say eat less. Right page is going to say exercise more. That's it. That's that's the secret. There's no other secret. So I did. So in 2020, January 2020, we went on a family trip. It was the same thing, Jake. I, I looked at a picture of myself and my head was round like Charlie Brown, like yeah. circular. And I see on a scale, I weighed 280, which I thought was my highest. But I don't now that I've seen some older pictures i don't think it was there's a i posted a before and after from 2016 and now earlier this week on instagram and uh and i i'm pretty sure i was near 300 and that that one in 2016 but i got sick of it i started doing the uh the intermittent fasting so that's where you eat like eight hours a day and and don't eat the other 16 and i did that and i lost like 40 pounds but then i got to the point where i was just eating everything in sight during those eight hours. And I started gaining again. So I got back up to like 265. And my wife came home one day in 2021. And she's like, I downloaded this app called lose it. You're going to download it too. We're going to count calories. And we did, we both did it and we're still doing it. Like yesterday was day 573, I think for me. Wow. And it's worked. I mean, I'm, I'm, I weigh like 225 right now. I got, I got down to 212. The weight I've gained has been muscle. And it's just, it's crazy. But that's all it is, is you just, I, I log every calorie I eat. Like I'm going on a cruise next week. I'm going to log the calories. Now it's going to be a lot of them. I'm not going to worry about how much I eat, but the act of doing it every day keeps you accountable. And if you, if you do it most days and are, are trying to stay within the framework, most days you're going to be fine. Do you, do you have like a go-to food though? I mean, is there something that's really like kind of helped you like, uh, I guess, sustain it? Not really. I I've tried not to, to have a, this is my secret or yeah. a, a food, like any sort of food group that I don't eat that I can't, yeah that I'm not allowed to eat because if I do that, then it becomes something I have to have or I'll, <laughs> I'll just gorge on at some point. So Dude, that is but so I will true. What, so I will say what you find when you have to log the calories, what you leave out or what you stop eating are random carbs, like random potato chips or yeah. like you'll never grab a snack size bag of potato chips. You'll look at it and be like, this is 300 calories and I'll be hungry again in 20 minutes. Like that's, that's the thing you got to be careful with. And, and when, when you get rid of that, I think you find that it's a lot easier. You eat a lot more fruit for snacks yeah. because that lasts longer. But so like summer's the best for me because you get all these different, like you get blueberries and blackberries and raspberries and all of it. And, and it's actually reasonably priced. Cherries are, are ripe in the summer. Like those are great snacks. So that's pretty helpful. And then really you just, you behave and behave and behave. And then you have, you'll give yourself a day where you're like, okay, I'm just going to eat everything in sight today. The number one thing for me, and, and it's something that I started, you know, here probably like a week ago was, you know, just trying to uh, not drink uh, very much, especially not drink beer. Um, yeah. You know, you know, you mean liquid bread? Yeah, right. You getting yeah. rid of that? 
I've, you know, I've kind of backed off beer a lot in the last couple of years anyway. It's more kind of just tequila, soda, and limes, kind of my thing. But uh, that's what it, and that's what it is tonight. We just did that What You Drinking show before you came on. Yeah. Uh, or part of the show. Uh, it's, but you're so right about that whole like, hey, I can't cut any food group out really, especially if, if it's not causing me problems, right? I mean, like if I, start, if I started having trouble with dairy, then that would be a thing. But yeah, if you've got an allergy or something, sure. Yeah. But like, I, I did South Beach right after my first kid was born and, and lost like 50 pounds, gained more than that back. Because <laughs> once you add, once you re-add all the carbs, you're just like, you can't, you can't handle yourself. And the, here's, here's the thing. This is the, if there's a trick, this is the trick. You'll have a goal weight. When you hit your goal weight, you don't get to stop. Like yeah. you don't get to go back to what you used to do. It doesn't, you're not ever going back to that. You, you're just, working on maintaining at that point so you can eat a little bit more but not much yeah my thing is too is i also know that if i'm not ready to start you know because i i yo-yo i go down i go yeah. up i go down i go up and if i'm not ready to go down i'm not gonna go down i'm just not well gonna, the, and the I, thing I, is that you gotta you gotta stop going down and going up you just gotta yeah. say this is this <laughs> is how i'm gonna live now <laughs> yeah and i can't really do one thing at the time either like i can't just eat right for a while if I, if I eat right, I've got to exercise. I've got to do both or I'm just mm -hmm. not really – it's not I, – I, I think I traded one addiction for another. I think I traded the food addiction for an exercise addiction. So, But I'll, I'll take that. And is that what Jason I get, is? I get, I get, just a different kind of dope sick? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, uh, I get real weird when I can't work out. And, and that – it ruins my day if I can't do something. So that's why I, I'm trying to – I'm trying to work on that too. Like have, I had a day the other day or when I, I came back from the combine on some, on Sunday and I was like, I got home, I'm exhausted. I'm like, you know what? I'm not working out today. I'm not going to let that ruin my day. I'm not going to be mad about it. I'm taking a day off. It's okay. And yeah. it's just, you, you got to make yourself do that every once in a while. But, but no, I, I like to exercise. I did when I was huge, I exercised a lot. So that was never, never an issue. So, Andy, tell us, uh, obviously, um, you know, I think a lot of folks know you played at Florida um, and you were uh, you were Play a, is a relative term. I was a human tackling <laughs> dummy who never saw the field. Yeah. What uh, tell us about how you got into, you know, just the sports riding business and uh, uh, how, shoot before that. How did why did you decide to go to you know, Florida? Where did you grow up? You know, get, just the folks that don't really know kind of your origin story. So born in Columbia, South Carolina. And we lived there for seven years. Uh, my biological father was stationed at Fort Jackson. So that's why we were there. And parents got divorced when I was four. So uh, we, we moved to Florida so that my mom could marry my stepdad. And we lived in Key Largo, Florida for four years. I was, from age seven to age 11, I was living on an island. It was a very, very strange place to, to grow up. And then when right before sixth grade, my parents decided – Hey, let's let's go to Orlando because there's more going on for the kid. You know, the, the Key Largo just didn't have a lot for kids. And so they felt like there'd be more opportunity for me there. I could go to better schools. They were they were both teachers. And um, so we moved up to Orlando and that's where I went to, to middle school and high school and played football and and wrestled and did the weightlifting team in high school and, and did the newspaper and yearbook staff. I, I knew I wanted to be a writer when I was like 12. I read a Louis Grizzard book, a, a famous Georgia graduate. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I, it was Shoot Low Boys, The Ride in Shetland Ponies. It was one of the, the compilations of columns. He, he did a bunch of different compilation books. And so that was the, my first exposure to him. And I was laughing as I was reading it. And I turned to my mom and I go, does this guy make any money? And she's like, yeah, he makes a pretty good living. I'm like, hey, that's what I'm going to do then. And so like when I read, um, if I ever get back to Georgia, I'm going to nail my feet to the ground, which is the one about his journalism career. He started as a sports writer. So I was like, I'll start as a sports writer. And then I'll become a syndicated humor columnist. Like that's, that's how this will work. Not realizing that there were only two syndicated humor columnists in the world at the time, Louis Grizzard and Dave Barry. And Louis passed away when I was in high school. So that, that, and they didn't replace him. And then Dave Barry won a Pulitzer, started writing TV shows and he was done. So that job didn't exist anymore by the time I got to college. And so I had to figure out what to do. And the sports writing part of it sounded pretty fun still. So that that's what I wanted to do. And uh, the football thing was, was interesting because I played football in high school and I was, I was okay. I thought, and then I started getting recruited after my junior year and realized, okay, I might not be just okay. I might be halfway decent at this. And I was a six, three, 240 pound offensive tackle. And I didn't really have, room to grow i I probably wasn't going to get that much bigger although as as you learned i could get close to 300 pounds by the time i was almost 40 but i at that time i couldn't gain weight at all and but the like the first coach that came to my school to recruit me was from a service academy and i was kind of the right size for that and i had good grades so i the the ivy league schools recruited me Uh, i drank my first beer on an official visit at princeton and Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator for the Bengals, he's the guy. He recruited me for Harvard. Like he <laughs> called me multiple times from Harvard. And my parents, it's funny because my parents were just like, listen, you can go to an Ivy League school if you want. And we'll figure it all out because they didn't have a- athletic scholarships. So you had to do financial aid and, and, and loans and everything. But like, we'll figure it out, but you can't apply to every one of them. Cause it's like 150 bucks a piece to apply to these things. So like pick the one you want and apply to that one. And so I like the O-line coach at Princeton. So I ended up applying to the, to, to, to Princeton and taking that official visit. But I also applied to, to Vanderbilt, North Carolina, Duke, Miami, and UF. And so got in to all of them, uh, but they all cost money except for UF. UF was basically going to pay me to go to school. And that was, it was a pretty good deal. So I, at that, at that point, I was like, well, I could probably not make it, not probably not playing any more football. Cause <laughs> like my se- my senior year of high school, Florida played in the national title game and got crushed by Nebraska. But I'm like, they just play for the national title. Like they, they don't, they, they're not going to need me, but I figured what the hell I had these schools recruiting me. Like, I wanted to, I wanted to go to North Carolina or Vandy and, you know, I, I, Vandy offered me like a half scholarship, which is still half of a lot of money that you have to pay in North Carolina. I didn't get any financial aid. So I would have just been paying out of state tuition, even though that was pretty reasonable at the time, it wasn't them paying me. And so I was like, fine, I'll just, I will go, I will go and try to walk on to Florida when I get there. And did the whole thing where, you know, my coach and, and actually the coach, at, my dad was assistant principal at another school in our county. And so when Jim Collins, who recruited my county for 
Uh, I went to Lake Mary High School in, in Longwood, for those who know the Orlando area. And my dad was an assistant principal at Lyman. So Jim Collins, who was the linebackers coach, had Seminole County. And so when he was at Lyman, they were like, oh, by the way, this kid at Lake Mary, Andy Staples, is, is, is coming to Florida. He's going to try to walk on. And they gave him my game tape. And then he, got, he also got it from my head coach as well. So it wasn't like I, I was coming out of nowhere. They had heard of me at least. And, but I still wound up in the open tryout which you, I mean, you get the Rudy speech. It's like the, the, the tryout in Rudy where they're like, your only value to this team is we don't care if you get hurt. <laughs> and so it was just a bunch of us. And uh, I think like three or four of us from that, they were probably like, because they, they watch your film before they even let you try out. And there, there were probably, I think, 15 of us out there and, and three or four of us made the team. And it was it, Jamie Speronis, who was Steve Spurrier's right hand man, was the one who gave us the, you know, gave you the Rudy speech and uh, told you, you made the team. And I remember I got in there and he's like, he's like, does anybody need their mommy to sign the permission slip? Basically, he's asking, is anybody under 18? And I like, I, it didn't dawn on me at first. I'm like, oh crap, he's talking to me. And yeah. I'm like, raising my hand, I'm 17. So <laughs> yeah. 17 years old. And like, you get out there, like, I walk out there the first day and they're already in pads at this point because you had to wait until school started to, to get going if you were a, a fall semester walk-on. And so I walk out the first day and I look to my right and Javon curse is standing there with no pad. You know, he's got his shirt off just in oh, his no. pants. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Does everybody look like that? Yeah. I, I, I don't need to be here, but wow. It was thankfully it was, they didn't. Thankfully, everybody. No, didn't. not everybody like did. <laughs> but but it was it was <laughs> jarring. And and it's and it was really jarring, like those first few days when you're when you're in like one on one pass pro drills and you see because like I had played against some good players in high school. Like I, I, I played against a guy who got a scholarship to Notre Dame and a guy who got a scholarship to Miami and one who got a scholarship to Syracuse. And some of them had had gotten the better of me and I'd beaten up on some of them. And I was like, I, that's fine. These dudes at Florida were different. Just so creatures. different. Like that you you can't you're not supposed to be that big and that fast. And yeah. and they all were. And so <laughs> that was the part that that shocked me. Cause I'm I'm like you know again 240 pound offensive lineman just getting demolished by these dudes. One of the all time linebacking crews ever because uh, yeah I mean Mike Peterson mm-hmm. Javon, uh, uh, Javon Curse, you had Rutledge. Um, Javon wasn't even playing at that point. So, like, yeah, my they, my freshman year, the the linebackers were were Jay Rutt was the the Will linebacker, um, James Bates was the Mike, and and Mike P was the the Sam, and Mike was so fast, like you couldn't even you you couldn't touch him. Like Javon was a backup at that point, and and they hadn't moved him down the line of scrimmage yet. Like when he was still a linebacker, he didn't he didn't read things that well in terms of flowing with the play. So you could block him, but it was like hitting a brick wall. But like Mike was like trying to block smoke. You couldn't you couldn't get near him. And so like LSU week of my freshman year, I was supposed to be Alan Fanica. Why they decided to make me <laughs> Alan Fanica, I will never know. Because we had scholarship no guys on the scout team. Whatever. Yeah, we had scholarship guys on the scout team who could have more accurately. <laughs> Let's just put it that none of us could have accurately mimicked him, but I was probably the least equipped. 
they had this play where Alan Fanica was the left guard and it was a sweep right. So this would be like a pitch to Kevin Falk. And Alan Fanica was expected to oh there's a picture of Javon Kurtz. good <laughs> lord but Al, Alan Fanica was expected to pull from the left side around the the right end and then hit the play side linebacker like normally if you're pulling from the back side on a play to the front side of the play and you're not hitting somebody in the line of scrimmage if you're just leading you're just kind of cleaning up trash at the at the back end of the play no he was supposed to get out in front of the back and lead him <laughs> yeah and I could not do this to save my life. And so Bob Stoops comes up to me and he was the defensive coordinator at the time. He's just screaming at, cause he keep, you know, mayday is what they would scream when they need, needed you to rerun the play. And so he screamed mayday, mayday, mayday. And, and it finally comes up. Since you are so slow, I want you to come back and get in a sprinter stance and just go when the ball gets snapped. And I, I, I was like, I, I, what I wanted to say, but I wouldn't because I had just turned 18 and I was a, a very respectful young man and, and terrified of everyone on that field. I would have been, I wanted to be like, if I could do this, sir, I would be over there with the starting offensive line, but I would not be, would not be here. And so, yeah, we, we, we messed that play up a few more times. We never actually properly ran it, but the defense stopped it fine. Cause I think the final score of that game was like 56 to 12, but we, we never properly ran it. But needless to say, I was not, going to ever be a good player at Florida. Like it was very clear to me at the time. Uh, I was, I was trying to do some writing for the school paper, but I wasn't allowed to write sports because I was on a, on a team. And so after spring of 97, I was like, you know what? I got to figure this out because you needed to work in journalism to get a job in journalism. Yeah. And the only way to work in the system that was set up at Florida, if you wanted to work in sports was you needed to write for the school paper, cover the team, and then the the professional papers around the state would let you string for them, and you could you know do freelance writing for them. So I had to get in at the school paper, and so the only way to do that was to leave the team. Which I mean, I didn't think I had my, any future in football. Now, if this had been now with social media and blogs and podcasts and everything, I just stayed on the team and right. done all my own content. It would have been great because I could have become like a, you know, I could have become like the lovable walk-on who has the food show or something. But at that time, that wasn't, that just wasn't an avenue. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned uh, like how different everything is, how shocking it was, I guess. You know, you mentioned the recruiting process and I, I cover recruiting specifically. I mean, you've stayed within the realm of college football. You still are. I mean, it, you, you basically transitioned from playing to, to moving into it to some degree. And then you, you made a profession out of it. How insane is it to you, the change that you've seen in what recruiting is now? It just, it, in, I mean, we're talking 20 years later. It's just so much more advanced. Cause I had guys on my team who were recruited heavily. Like um, I played with a guy named Scott Bryan, who's a year older than me, who actually signed with Florida, but he had 75 scholarship offers. He was a, a 6'5", 280 pound tackle in high school who would move, who moved really well and had good grades. So like every, everybody in the world wanted him. And you know, he was, he was very, you know, you, you knew everybody wanted him. He got to go on all the trips and everything, but it, it wasn't like people in other States were, you know, you couldn't at anybody. There was no Twitter. There was no uh, yeah. Instagram. So like maybe your name would appear in 
super prep or one of those magazines. But that was the extent of it. Like now these guys are on the signing day with Jamie Newberg. Jamie Newberg. That's right. That's right. But now these guys are celebrities right off the bat. I mean, they're, they're someone like him would have been an, an absolute celebrity. Like when he walked onto a campus as a recruit, like everybody would know who he was. And, and so that's the, that's the thing that's wild to me. And it, you know, it's made these guys so much more sophisticated. They're, they, it feels to me like these guys have, you know, have gone through media training before they ever get on campus, which it's weird because now they get to college and the sports information people are like, well, you can't talk to anybody. You can't talk as a freshman. And these guys are like, dude, we've been doing interviews since we, we were sophomores in high school. We, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Well, not, yeah. That, they're not their own videos. They've been, uh, you yeah. know, like Travis Hunter, you've, you've already built a follow up. The thing that gets me more than anything, because I, I got in, I covered recruiting to get into this business. And I did this right when Twitter was starting to blow up was, is how much they know each other. Everybody knows who everybody is now. Yeah. So they're, they're all connecting with one another. And this well, whole, it, it, it's also ch- not a thing. And it's changed where the top recruits go. It used to be the top recruits still sort of stayed close to home. Yeah. They don't stay close to home now. They do the NBA super team thing. They, they go, okay, we six or seven, we're, we, we've been cool since we were sophomores in high school. We all want to play together. We may be from different parts of the country, but we're all going to go to this school. And like, if they're top 50 guys, they're going to Georgia or they're going to Alabama, they're going to Ohio state. Like those are the ones they're going to. No. Yeah. That's what I said about Arch Manning last year was like, people were just going to be drug into the sphere of the, the gravity. Yeah. Of Arch Manning. Pied, he had a big Pied Piper effect. If you, and, and remember, I mean, remember the, the two weeks after his commitment, like oh, yeah. it was boom, 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 one after the other. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a weird one. And there have been a lot of them where you've kind of looked at it. And whereas back in the day, a kid could fall in love with this out of state school or this out of state school. And but eventually, as time went on, if they didn't commit or even if they did, you could never count out the in-state school. And sometimes now the in-state school doesn't has doesn't even have a chance because they've they've experienced so much of what's out there already. I mean, Florida, Florida State, Miami are dealing with that now. Big time. So big everybody's like oh it's it's that's they so easy those jobs recruit them no they do not recruit themselves it is very difficult yeah and georgia basketball's ran into that for a long time because bas- mm-hmm. basketball i felt like was ahead of the game because it was a yes. smaller group of people and they, and they, they, they were, were on the aau circuit they were seeing each other like the seven yeah. on seven circuit mimicked the aau circuit so but but football people didn't didn't really discover that until about what 13 14 years ago the aau circuit that had been around for 30 years before that yeah and Georgia runs into that same thing with that. It's like, hey, you, you can recruit a great team within, you know, 60 miles of your campus. Yeah, that's great. And But Duke and UNC and and even Gonzaga and, and yeah. UCLA, they want those kids too. Yeah. And, and you've got to kind of beat them out for it. What um in terms of – okay, so you, you're a student newspaper. You quit football mm-hmm. to get into that. Um, you win a national championship, I guess, but but yeah. you also you and then you avoid also losing to Georgia the one time you would have lost to Georgia in your whole career. <laughs> uh, the game, uh, yeah, the game, the game where Gators wear jean shorts was was coined uh, as the people were walking into the stadium. Yeah, by a guy who wound up working as a lawyer in Florida for a bunch of Florida law grads. Oh my God! And, and that was that was in '97. That was in '97. I tracked him down. I'm blanking on his name, but. Yeah, when I was at the Tampa Tribune, I actually tracked him down for a blog post and and talked to him and 
it got the whole origin story of Gators or jean shorts. Like it was just a bunch of Georgia frat guys. And they saw these two kind of goofy ACR looking dudes, the, the Florida, if the, well, there's probably not many Florida fans on this thing, but Alachua County resident is what ACR stands for. And yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what I am now currently, but never, never thought I would be. Um, it's, but it's, it's their term for a townie. Uh, but, but, you know, see these dudes and they're standing there in Jacksonville, they got the jean shorts and mullets. And, and so one of the guys just goes, <laughs> Gators wear jean shorts. And then they all start chanting it. And by the, you know, a, a few minutes later, they're walking in a stadium and everyone's chanting it. God, that had some sticky on it because it <laughs> that's, that's hung on to the tire for many, many miles. It's never going, it's never going away. It's because it's completely, it, as an insult, it's completely ridiculous, but also 100% accurate. Oh, man. And then the, then the cutoff ones, too, is the is the good one. And, when you can, and, and I, I love Florida fans who lean into it. Oh yeah, oh, yeah absolutely into it. What are, what's your thoughts? We we had a big thing with this with Dean Leggy um, last week when Dean came on with us, and it actually became a lot of fun because Dean had whether it was real or not, he had a bunch of cash and he just kept flashing it. Um, I don't know why. It was hilarious. We don't know why. We we don't know where the cash came from. Or don't know if it was real. It, it might have been like you know you know come to Jesus money. I don't know. Where where was this uh, on the show was, last week? Oh, in his in the dog in his office. office. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I have any cash in the house right now. <laughs> he had he had a lot of it. He had cartel cash on him. Apparently. <laughs> but, uh, we got in a big discussion about the Georgia-Florida game. Where do you stand on that? Well, what would you like to see, obviously, as somebody who is kind of, you know, you got ties to that rivalry? I'd rather see it on campus. I, yeah. I just, I, I think, those the first of all, those two stadiums are awesome. And they are. You know, I, I don't, I understand the love for Jacksonville and, but, I just think Gainesville and Athens are better than Jacksonville. I get that. I, our thing was, and, and, and I mean, well, especially my thing, because I grew up in South Georgia where nothing was going on an hour and a half from Jacksonville. And I just feel like there's juice in that game and there's excitement around that game because of the way it's done, that it's not always there, even when, when, even when the teams aren't – one of the teams isn't very good. You know, when Florida was dominating that rivalry – People still, Georgia fans still wanted to go down there and be a part of that and have that time. And then, you know, even to this day, you know, some of these last few years when Florida hasn't been that good and Georgia's kind of been running the rivalry, I feel like there's still so much energy and fun. Well, I, in it. I, and I, I think you're, I think you're most, I think you're most people, but I'm not most people. Right. I, I, I just like the campus stadiums better. I think it's a better environment, and I think it would, it would be just as much fun on campus, but most people disagree with me. I, I would say that most Florida grads would disagree with me on that. 10, 20 years from now, are we looking back and saying Kirby Smart's the guy who took, took Georgia, Florida out of Jacksonville? He would be the one. And, and, you know, I I've heard the, the various iterations of that. You put it on campus or you go Jacksonville, Atlanta, which I think would be fine too, if you wanted to do it that way. But I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think it would change the, I don't think it would change the tone of the rivalry that much because to me, to me it's Atlanta's a, such a bad, a weird, spot. streaky rivalry anyway. And like, it's Atlanta's such a bad spot in my opinion. Like it compared, like Jacksonville at least has the beach, so like you get that whole element of being able to hang out near the water. Listen, if they could put the stadium near the beach, that'd be great. But yeah, yeah, I mean Jack's Jack's beach is tremendous. Yeah, 
Or well, if, you got, if you got some money, Amelia Island and Fernandina are really tremendous. But listen, Jack's Beach like is that. a nice, trashy beach town. I, I, I do appreciate yeah, a good trashy absolutely. beach town. There, but there's nothing – listen, there's nothing charming about the about the way Jacksonville is set up. Like, I mean, no, you're, you're that stadium is in a terrible everything. spot. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're 30. It's a, be- it's a beautiful it's spot, but it's terrible in terms of location. So, um, let's uh, – wanted to finish up on this real quick. What was the climb to SI like? Uh, you know, how 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 arduous and, and tough was that? So I could not get a full-time job right out of college. I, I was trying, you know, just applying everywhere and d- there was nothing. It was right at the right as the dot com, the first dot com bubble burst. And so everybody was scaling back. Nobody was hiring. And the Tampa Tribune allowed me to come and just write stories freelance for them. And there was like a there was like a pay schedule, like depending on how long the story was, you got paid more. So it went from like $30 to like $80. And I remember the first assignment they sent me out for was a, uh, a basketball camp for third, fourth and fifth graders put on by the head coach at Wharton high school. And I was like, well, here we are. And that, you know, I, at that point I'd worked for the school paper. I'd covered Florida for, for a couple of years and I'd been, you know, covered some big time football games and thought I was, was hot stuff. And then realized, Oh, no, you're not. No, this is this is where you start. And it was it was good, though, because you you learned how you could always find a story in everything, you know. And so I did that for the summer of 2000 and, and figured I was going to do that for a while. I was making decent money. I actually turned down a job at the Athens, uh, Athens Banner Herald. I was going to it was to be like the the Georgia women's basketball beat writer and like the, the third backup on football. And you would help with baseball and stuff. Uh, but they were only offering like. I think 17, five a year. And I was making more than that as a freelancer in Tampa. And so I was like, well, I think I'll just stay here. And then Labor Day weekend, I get a phone call from the sports editor of the Chattanooga Times Free Press. And I I had applied for their Tennessee job much earlier in the summer and completely forgotten about it because I assumed there's no way I'm going to get it. And the sports editor is like, well, we've we've looked around at a few people and, and now we're down to you. And I was like, gee, thanks. And <laughs> I've, I've since then, I found out like six or seven people turned it down before they got to me. And so, but I'm like, whatever it is, whatever you're paying, I'll take it. Let's go. And so I, that was, I think that was Sunday. And on Wednesday, I was in Knoxville covering practice. And it was actually the week wow. of the Tennessee Florida game. And so the first practice, they you know, the columnist for the paper drives up from Chattanooga to to introduce me to everybody. So he introduces me to Bud Ford, who's a sports information director, introduces me to Philip Fulmer at the end of practice. And I shake his hand and uh, they do the the post-practice interview with Fulmer, the the you know, the whole beat core does. And what you did in those days was you'd you'd interview Fulmer on the practice field, and then you walk around and you wait outside the the facility, and once the players showered you could catch them for a couple minutes before they went to dinner and interview them you know and so we were sitting out there all of a sudden the the door from the locker room bursts open and it's fulmer and he's like did you play for florida (laughs) and i'm like oh crap because i didn't think it's the it's florida week like this is if somebody tells him this is as 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 this is all processing very quickly through my mind like yeah i can see where he'd be a little upset about this and so I just looked at him. I said, I said, coach, you have walk on offensive linemen. You think they'd have any loyalty to you? 
<laughs> he just starts laughing. So it was good. Uh, yeah, the the I, I don't know exactly who dropped the dime on me, but I think he covers George right now. So I think I think you can probably guess who that is. Yeah, David Pascal is that who it is? <laughs> no, David Pascal worked worked for for my paper. Uh, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 it would have been the I've competition. Been thinking about him since you said. Yeah, yeah it would have been would would have been the competition at the time. Yeah, the the, the Tennessee beat writer for the Knoxville News Sentinel who he covers Georgia now. So yeah, little Mike Griffith action, huh? Oh, uh, I, I listen. You allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> we'll hey, see. Listen, listen, Mike's got thick skin. He can handle it. No one, <laughs> if he did, he did. He didn't. He didn't. It's not a big deal. Allegedly, but yeah. no, that was that was that was that was the moment of truth for me. But Fulmer and I were great after that. Like we got along famously. That's great, man. That is that's such a cool story. I I was going to ask you to try to tell us a good Steve Spurrier story, but I don't know if they can be better than that Phil Fulmer story. It's it, there. There aren't uh, the Spurrier ones aren't aren't as good. I don't think, but. You probably um, got to know him better as a sports as, writer than you as did a sports writer. It's he was so proud that that somebody who was a walk on in his team wound up at Sports Illustrated. Like it, I remember one time I went uh, to do a story on South Carolina, and we, I was talking to or I was in the interview with the with all the beat writers after practice, and Joe Person was covering the the Gamecocks for the state. Joe and I work together at the Athletic now, and he covers the Panthers. And Spurrier's like. Hey Joe, I got a I got a I got a player work for Sports Illustrated. You, 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 ever, you ever got gotten a job at Sports Illustrated? <laughs> so, just just needling like it yeah. was just brutal. But he was he was very proud of that. And and you know something I wrote for the Tampa Tribune actually he he clipped and highlighted and read to his team. And it was the his first year at South Carolina. I was covering Florida for the Tampa Trib, and Remember, Florida still had kind of a chance because remember they beat Georgia Urban Meyer's first year, and they still had kind of a chance to win the East if they beat South Carolina and then if Auburn beat Georgia. But the South Carolina Florida game was the noon game at Williams Bryce, and I had written a, a column just sort of explaining all this, and it had sort of an offhand quote from from somebody from Florida saying, "Well, good luck to Auburn that day." And it offended Spurrier so much that anyone would assume that Florida would beat South Carolina, that they would even talk about the George Auburn game at that point. And he, so he highlighted it and read it to the team and they went, yeah, I don't think that they're probably like, why the hell is he reading this story? But they did go beat Florida that day. And it <laughs> so, saved George's bacon because Georgia lost to, lost to Auburn that night. Yeah. Yeah. And, but that's I joke. That is the only time I actually helped Steve Spurrier's team win a game. <laughs> I certainly didn't as, as a walk on. So, but yeah, no. So I, I did uh, cover Tennessee for two years, but my wife was about to start grad school in Gainesville. So I needed to get back to Florida. And so I actually quit my job in Tennessee and didn't have a job to go back to. I, uh, I put in my two weeks, I had lined up a deal to sell radio advertising, you know, uh, advertising for radio stations in Gainesville, which was not really a job at all. It was sort of eat what you kill. If you can sell stuff, you, you'll make money. If you can't, you won't. And then the, the sports editor of the Gainesville Sun said I could freelance for them to, so I could keep writing. But that was it. I, I was I had come to grips with the fact that I might be done. And uh, then my last day in Tennessee after you know two weeks after i put in my two weeks 
I get a call from the Tampa Tribune that they had a job in kind of their farthest flung bureau covering high schools. And I was like, yep, uh, I, I would like that job. So please put me on the interview list. And they said, yeah, come on down. We'll interview. So about a month later, I got that job and, and ended up going to Tampa. Did that for two years. They moved me to Gainesville to cover Florida. And so I covered Florida from 04 to the end of 07. And the end of 07, I, I, I'd gotten a call from Sports Illustrated about the possibility of, the, of covering recruiting for them. And when I went to New York to cover the Heisman, because Tebow won the Heisman in 07. So when I went to New York to cover the Heisman, I stopped by the offices and they basically told me like, there's no job. Sorry. We, we thought we were going to have it in the budget. It's not going to be there. So we're sorry. We, you know, got your hopes up. And then I, I'm like, okay, whatever. And I got really drunk that night and then covered the Heisman ceremony the next day. Uh, but then I go home and I want to say it's like a week and a half later, I get a call from a guy at SI and he's basically saying that my boss is going to call you tomorrow and offer you a job. And I'm like, what happened? Yeah. And it was, they, they had been taking recruiting content from something called rise magazine and ESPN had bought, had bought rise magazine and sent SI a cease and desist letter saying, take all the rise content off your, off your website. And so they needed somebody to write about recruiting and, so they just took whatever the budget was for Rise Magazine and gave it to me as a salary, and that was that. As a guy who covered high school football and, and you did some recruiting, like you said, for SI, I mean, is there a guy that jumps off the page to you when you think about you know guys that you had a chance to watch, guys that you had a chance to see in person? Uh, recruiting? Yeah. I mean, Clowney was the one that oh, I yeah, always yeah, thought yeah, was I amazing. I uh, but, I, but I remember – you know what I remember? the I remember the viral highlight tapes – more than anything else, yeah. like Sam McGuffey, the, the dude who went to Michigan and wound up transferring to Rice, where the first first scene of his highlight tape, he was a, a tailback from Houston, and he uh, he gets a handoff. There's a linebacker waiting there to tackle him. He jumps up. Sam just like vertical jumps above the linebacker's head, puts his cleat on the guy's helmet, uh, pushes off and jumps over him. <laughs> and like the first one, and then. And then I, the, I don't know the Georgia fans will remember this because I can't remember if, if Georgia was in it for this guy. There was a guy named Jeff Luck from Palm Coast, oh, yeah. Florida. Or not Palm Coast. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. He was, he's like from the Treasure Coast area. And he just made someone explode on yeah. the first play of his highlight tape. He ends up, yeah, he ends up going to Florida State. He actually, we talked about the, the Pied Piper effect. He was the Pied Piper for a lot of those people who wound up being the core of that 2013 national title team. He did yeah. cause he, he wanted to stay at linebacker and they're like, no nah, dude, you are not bendy enough to be a linebacker. Yeah, he was you stiff need, as a wedding dress. You, yeah. You, you, you need to be a D tackle, but he's like, no, I want to play linebacker. So he transferred to Cincinnati to play linebacker, but he, he left a bunch of buddies behind to win a national title. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, he was, he, he was very much like that. And, you know, I mean, th there were guys like Trey Blackman that was yep. kind of LaGrange. That Went was to Auburn, yeah. Like 
you you talk about those viral things. I mean, obviously, I remember the Noel Divine. Is- yeah. Oh yeah, that I, that was the that was a good. Everybody says the Reggie book Reggie Bush highlight tape's the best. No, the Noel Divine highlight tape is the best. Under- yeah, it's an underrated one too. You remember Willie Corn? Oh, of course. That well, that highlight Willie tape Corn- is outrageous. Willie Corn is a very good coach now. He's oh, at yeah. Liberty oh, with yeah. Jamie Chadwell. He was at Coastal with with Chadwell, and his brother is actually one of the best recruiting guys. Like best up and coming recruiting guys in the country. Damn, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know he had climbed the ladder that high as far. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot at Clemson. And the funny thing is, a lot of these guys we're talking about did almost nothing. Um, <laughs> in terms yeah. of, uh, at the college. Well, that's what Will, Willie Corn got in with Jamie Chadwell because he wound up at North Greenville College. Yeah, like that's where he finished his career. God, it's. It was such a crapshoot back then. I feel, and I also feel like we get it more right. Like it's gotten more and more yeah. right. Oh, 100%. As you, get on, you get to see more photos. Huddles changed everything. Yeah. Um, and you used to, I mean, you used to, if you wanted to see a kid, you know, whatever kid your school was going to get, you had to watch Countdown to Signing Day. You had to yep. sit through that and all the, all the commercials. And this is, this is probably pre Jake, you may have been in elementary school and this is going on the not the one 900 numbers. So like I was in Orlando growing up, Bill Buckhalter was the, the high school writer for the Orlando Sentinel. He ran a one nine hundred line where you'd call in and they'd say, "So and so is signing with Georgia Tech, and so and so is signing with Clemson." Yeah, we need to bring those back. Like on three needs a on three needs a nine hundred number. I know. <laughs> be amazing. I heard stories. John Tyler. That sound. That sound you're hearing is Shannon Terry going. <laughs> is that a stream I hear? Hey, dude, my, my man, my man Shannon knows knows a little he bit does. about Mr. Dollar. Uh, he he's figured. I mean, you talk about figuring out how recruiting yeah. works and how people will follow it on the internet. There's no yeah, one who knows knows. more. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows more. I, I also remember. Um, I also remember. You know the the kind of the offshoot sites that kind of just pulled links from different things and and they build a following that way. And then the newspapers. John Tallman used to have this great thing he used to tell us when I whenever I worked at Rivals, where they would break a commitment story on in the first and this was the brand new age of yeah. the of the recruiting website. They break a commitment story at like after eleven p.m. so that the Oh yeah, the newspaper would have to wait two days to get it. Yeah, they couldn't. I mean, at best, it had if it was a big enough paper, maybe it had a second edition that went out around noon the next day. But yeah, like that, the AJC could could put it in that one that came out at ten a.m. Yeah, right. But I mean, just the the way that the games that they used to play uh, with each other was uh, was a lot of fun, and um, I I can't believe we're at fifty minutes here on the show. So uh, we'll get. I got one. I got one question uh, for Andy. Uh, this is really the one that I wanted to get to. You're, you're a big barbecue guy. I think everybody mm-hmm. follows yeah, you. So I, I got to ask you if it, not really your your best spot because I'm sure there's there's spots that hold all the love. But if you can build your plate, if you can build uh-huh. your plate, w- what are you getting on the plate? Like oh, let's from, say if, if you got you got yeah. We can go from different places. Well, I got Matthew who who is always on on my podcast broadcast as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's asking what's the best barbecue joint I've been to and why is it Heirloom Market? Heirloom Market is up there. Like Heirloom Market is awesome you you folks who live in atlanta are very lucky and like the story behind early market's amazing you got a, a former korean pop star who becomes a chef and starts doing barbecue and it was it was one of the early one of the first kind of asian fusion barbecue joints like this little sweet potato things they do i've been on a crusade against coleslaw because it's the worst side in america but that 
the, the their kimchi coleslaw is different. No mayo involved, so it's fine. But the the little sweet potato things they do are amazing. But no, I mean the the ribs there are great. The brisket, everything they do is fantastic. If I if I had to, let's see. If I had to just mix and match, like I'm like I'm, if, if I'm if potato salads on the menu, I'm getting it. That's that's coming. You know, it doesn't matter where I am. I'm gonna try it everywhere I go. So I don't have that much affinity for any one particular side. Okay. I'm not. I'm not worried about sides. All right. <laughs> uh, meat is all that matters at a barbecue restaurant. And so, like, I get a I get a beef rib from Louis Mueller in Taylor, Texas. I get brisket from Franklin in in Austin. That that's the best brisket I've had. And there's a reason people wait in line four hours for it. And I've been to been to Snows. I've been to La Barbecue. I've been to you know, a lot of the other really good ones in Texas, but that that's the best brisket I've had. Um, the ribs would be from Archibald's in Northport, Alabama. Those are just absolute my favorite ribs. Uh, the side, if I'm going to pick a side, my favorite barbecue side is I've only gotten it outside the state of South Carolina once. And it's at a place that used to be in Atlanta, then burned down. And I believe he's doing catering now or, or private stuff, pop-up type stuff. But it was Bee's Crackling Barbecue. Love it. And yeah, Love and 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 so Brian Furman, I think, is is doing pop-ups now. And and you you gotta kind of know when he's gonna be there. But when when Bee's Crackling was open, they had hash and rice as a side. And that is the only time I've been able to get hash and rice outside the state of South Carolina. Usually people don't even know what you're talking about. I don't ask. I had it's, it at I had it at Bee's Crackling about three yeah. weeks before it burned down. And it so was my fam my family used to do this. And I, I I'm assuming it's something other families in the Carolinas or in, in South Carolina did. Um what you do is is so you take your kind of all the meats that that you've been cooking or or was left over, and you put everything in a pot with a bunch of vegetables, and they had this like big old cauldron. And they'd sit there, the men would just sit there and stir the pot all night. Like that was the part of the fun is you stay up all night. And like, as, as the little kids, we would try to stay up all night if we could, but you just stir it and stir it and stir it. And it gets, it gets pretty thick and you put it over rice, over white rice. And it is just fabulous. And so there, there are places in South Carolina you can go like, and, and I will say like the Midlands of South Carolina, the, the barbecue buffet culture there is I, I love that because they're just like, what can we, how can we make this better? Oh, <laughs> all you can eat. So there's a place called Sweatman's in Holly Hill, South Carolina. They're open, only open Fridays and Saturdays, whole hog. And, and so what they do is they, they cook the whole hogs and the, the buffet is pulled pork, ribs, pork skins, hash and rice. And you can pay an extra 75. Well, I, I'm sure inflation has brought it up, but the first time I went was like 2010. Actually, it was the day that Stephen Garcia beat Alabama. Um, <laughs> but the, back then, it was 75 cents if you wanted a cup of banana pudding. That was the only thing. That was the only upcharge. It was like it was like $9.99 for the buffet. And you got a, cu a styrofoam cup and the sweet tea was on the wall. And so you just you got as much sweet tea as you wanted. And so you can have all of that. And it was, I mean, that's heaven right there, if you ask me. Just absolute heaven. Well, listen, next time you come to Athens, and I think I told you this at, in the, at the playoff, but probably went, probably slipped by you. But Tamez, there's a new barbecue place. Okay. It hasn't been around for very long. Uh, it's a dude. Uh, uh, they, the he, guy, he, right? Basically, how, do I know? 
He's doing Texas style, right? Yeah, doing Texas style mm-hmm. barbecue. This guy, he lived in Texas for a long time. I think he lived in Austin. I think he worked at one of those places. It was kind of like a sous chef or, or second in command type deal. And he would come back to Athens all the time. His brother lived here, and they would just fire up bar. They would fire it up and cook brisket and beef ribs. And uh, he cooks it now. And they, they say beef, ask, beef rib is hard to find in in the deep south. It it's, really is. It really yeah, is. And it's, it's not something. Pe- and it's hard to do, but it is. Yeah. When, when you get it and, and you get it done right, it is amazing. It's, so, it's definitely my favorite thing to cook. I, I will say, so those who go to Florida, Georgia, in Jacksonville, the bearded pig in Jacksonville does oh, a great beef rib. It's part of my rotation that makes it um, uh, tolerable for me to get down there. So bearded pig is the 11 a.m. meal before you go into that game because they, the food is absolute garbage at Georgia, Florida. Right. So I go eat at the Bearded Pig on Atlantic Beach. I'm there at 11 o'clock in the morning. I was going to say, there's one. The, the original is actually closer to the stadium, but it would be probably downtown. pretty hard to get in and out of on, yeah. on game day. I stayed right across the street from it in 2020. When, now, if you're if you're um, over that way, you can also go to Taco Lou, which oh, is yeah. a Lou's tremendous great, great taco place. That so. is also so you've you've named two thirds of my trip there. What's the other ro- What's the other one in the rotation? Two dude seafood on also okay. on Atlantic Beach. Yeah, I have not been there. I need to try that. It's good, good stuff. It's a very small little dining room. They probably seat maybe fifteen people. Ross Dellinger ate there with us for a, a couple of years, or year before last, and uh, me and Ross and uh, and a couple other guys, and we had a good time in there. It was yeah, awesome. I see. I see Matthew in the chat. It's a chain, but Maple Street Biscuit Company is great. It's okay because the chain. It's a chain that originated in Jacksonville. So yeah, yeah. I can. I have one I can walk to from my house though. So <laughs> I, I am a big <laughs> fan. Strawberry pie though at uh, two dudes. No the strawberry longboat. Yeah, they skip that. <laughs> that almost killed Jake Roos. Yeah, I got sick as hell off of that thing. I'm pretty convinced it was that. But yeah, <laughs> give, him, so, man, give, him, uh, give him the big question when you get a chance, Roos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is so I, I've asked everybody who's come on, and and okay. I'm really intrigued to, to hear this from you, Andy. Um, so uh, you've traveled a lot. Obviously, this job takes you a lot of places. Worst hotel room you've ever stayed in. Oh, that is in Tallahassee, and I have no idea what the name of the hotel was. It was I was at the school. Oh, paper. that's we that covering, makes it real bad. Yeah, we were, we were covering. <laughs> there's another one in 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 Atlanta that's close. There's there's one in Atlanta where I, I'm not even sure the hotel was open. <laughs> Somebody took my money and gave me a key, and I don't know how we didn't get 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 shot that night. But the the one in Tallahassee was worse because of the cockroaches. Like the, the mattress was maybe about two inches thick and looked like it had been drugged out of a dumpster and the cockroaches were just parading across the floor and the bed. And it was horrendous. I, I, it was one of those nights we were not planning on staying in Tallahassee and then we're like at the last minute, we're going to go up there on Friday night and we'll just figure out a place to crash. And then we didn't figure out a place to crash and, and we ended up at this place that was that was the worst. I, I really thought I was going to suffocate. It was. You ever see Fear Factor? Yeah. yeah. That the room was straight out of Fear Factor. I, I'm convinced. I'm convinced nobody ever forgets the worst hotel room they've God. ever stayed in. I, it's 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 like burned into your memory. Oh yeah, like, that's why it, immediate recall. Immediate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's nobody's hesitated on that question. Well, Andy, I think we've like uh, I think we've gobbled up enough of your time. Uh, you know, like I was telling the guys before I got on the show, I, I fell asleep putting my kids to bed like an hour and a half ago. So, 
<laughs> I'm sure everybody's pretty tired. I'm not. A, I'm not a but late stay up guy. That's, that's the thing. Since I've had kids, I used to be a a stay up till two in the morning. Don't really get moving until nine or so. Uh uh-uh. uh If I can go to, I was on a work trip not long ago. I went to bed at eight fifteen. Yeah, it was the greatest night of my life. <laughs> Yeah, our producer Palmer, who do tra- we travel with, he'll tell you right now. Like I'm a, I, I, I'll pass out, dude. I'll turn into a pumpkin in a heartbeat. Because my thing is, when I'm at home, I, I got to get up early because I, I want, I need like 30 minutes of, like, time to myself to make a little me time. Move yeah. around before before they get going. If I wake up the same time they do, it's chaos. That's what my wife does. I'm yeah. the one who who comes out like, hey, what's going on? Okay, is it time to go? Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I, I I don't fully wake up until I've dropped the kids off from school and get in the gym. Yeah. Well, dude, thanks so much for coming on. It was a lot of fun. We really appreciate it. Great stories. Phil, Phil former one, I'll probably dine out on a couple times and tell, tell a couple people about that. I hear it otherwise. If, I, if I'd come up with something different to say, the relationship might have changed completely. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's why you're a writer, dude. You came up with it. You thought on your feet. But thanks for joining us, dude. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, man. All right, Roos. Good stuff. Yeah, good stuff, man. Great storyteller. Obviously, you can tell why Andy has made it as far as he's made it. It sucks that I didn't get to bring up the part of my take thing. Uh, so years back, um, uh, maybe a couple years back, uh, you know, I, Andy had texted me a little bit about, you know, coming on his show when he was on XM and things like that, taught Georgia. And uh, I knew I had his number, and I was listening to part of my take, which I don't really do anymore. I just don't uh, – I listen. I don't listen to enough podcasts. I listen to Ryan Rosillo. That's basically it. And I texted Andy because the show – I was listening to an episode, and they come on. He's like, hey, welcome to part of my take. We've got Andy Staples. And then we then then he dropped the bomb. He said Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Andy Staples has got to know if he doesn't know already that he is going to share an episode with Kelly Kapowski. Oh, and I told him that and he was like, what? <laughs> and uh, yeah, he, he was very proud of that. I wish we got a chance to talk to him about that on the show, but I've always been a big fan of Andy. He's always one of the super nice guys in this business who, uh, who knows the game and, and played the game. And it's been a lot of fun to, to get to know him over the years. All right. Little Jake on Jake now. Little Jake on Jake. Uh, listen, if you guess, uh, what we were going to name this, what inappropriate name this this was going to be. We'll say yes we're, or no. We're going to keep that contest open until somebody gets it. Yeah, we'll it. say yes or no if you, re- if you re- what we really want to name this, but we can't. Because- some, people, some people came up with some pretty ribald things last week that were, uh, that were not too far off, but – yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep And I will say this. This is not like 10 steps over the line. This is just a step over the line. It's not something revolting or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just over the edge. Yeah. All right. You want to lead or you want me to tonight? All right. Listen, I've got a good one for you. Okay. Because, right. And this was this is right up our alley uh, in terms of – because I was thinking about it earlier today. Jake Reese, you you have died already. Let's just say this. You have died already. But you get, to, you, get to, yeah, you get to arrange your own funeral. Face down in a ravine, I hear. Yeah, indeed. Face down in a nearby ravine, Jake Roos has been found dead. Yeah. Um, and he gets to arrange his own funeral. Yeah. And listen, there is nothing that is impossible. Okay. Who are you getting to perform at your funeral? What and what are they singing? Oh, oh, I get a I get an artist. Yeah, you get somebody I, I, to send I, I, you I, I, out I, the right way. Oh, I was thinking I was picking somebody for the eulogy. 
Uh, oh gosh. Um, so I can get I can get someone dead. Yeah, I mean, you just by live. I mean, listen, this is like Elton John "Candle in the Wind," Vince Gill "Go Rest okay. High on That Mountain." Oh, okay, Who's okay. What? Ooh, really I tough. I'll be I'll be honest with you. Probably I I would probably have to go with my all my all time favorite song. Um, uh, as it stands right now at this age, uh, I would probably have to get Steve Earle to come play "I Ain't Never Satisfied" uh, at my funeral. Uh, Last night I made it to the promised land. I was standing at the gate and had a key in my hand. St. Peter said, come in, finally home. I said, no, thanks, Pete. I'll just keep moving along. And I, I think that would be also kind of badass at your funeral too. So. Yeah, that would be. Uh, um, that or that and probably in contention for my all-time favorite song, I would love to have uh, Kurt Cobain sing uh, All Apologies just because I just think that's a beautiful song. That song really changed how I felt about rock and roll music. Yeah, those are two good ones, man. Yeah. Especially that Steve Irwin. That's a that's a yeah, that's that's a great one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um all right. So this one was actually inspired by a video I sent you this morning. Um <laughs> and I think you know the exact video I'm referencing. Um I'm gonna go ahead and tell you right now, my answer is the same as that man's answer. <laughs> I'm going to make you say it on air then. Say it on air. All right. So besides Roman tomatoes, if you could change anything about yourself, what would you change? If you, if you could, let's say, let's, let's, and I'm not talking about your bank account. I'm talking about you as a person. You can, you can, you can make yourself taller. You can make yourself smarter. You can be more attractive if that's what you choose. What, what would you, what's something, one thing you can make, pick one thing. And I don't even think, I don't even think make, being more good looking is that's kind of nebulous. So I, I would think uh, pick a specific thing. Oh man, I am such a faulty person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just such an undesirable in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, oh, man, this is you know obviously you know taller would be great because you know. I feel like um, I've never I feel felt like, like you're an exceptionally short guy. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm. You know, you're five. Average, right? You're average height. Yeah, uh, but you know, it'd be nice to be six two, six three. Um, you know, Louis C.K. had the thing about skinny dudes and and why he hates them. Um, you know, it'd be nice to have be a little bit of a smaller frame guy. Not have that would probably be my number one. If I could be one of these, you know, if I could be kind of just change my stature, just in terms of like in my composition. To where I could be six feet, six one, not asking too much there, but also to be the kind of guy that kind of hovers around 185 to 200 and I can just eat however I want. Um, listen, there's nothing in the world that brings me more happiness than eating. Nothing. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean like, in terms of, like you're, you're kind of describing me. Like, I'm like, I'm like 5'11, like 200 pounds. Yeah, but, but you don't want to look like this. I promise. This but you do, but you, 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 I mean, you fluctuate a little bit too, you know. I mean, you, you I, I, I do. Like and I've, lost, I've lost 20 pounds since I'm yeah, like. yeah. And, I, and I'm in the process of doing that. I just wish I was one of those dudes that was like, you know, if I could just kind of hang in there, be thin and be healthy and kind of, uh, my mom used to have a boss. Uh, his name was Chris McCray, and he was one of the best dudes ever. I am not 5'8". <laughs> I right. you know Palmer highlighted that also. That, that's yeah. the only reason that's yeah, appearing Palmer, on the Palmer's going to be looking for a job. Um, <laughs> uh, my mom had a boss. His name was Chris McCray. He, he was one of the best bosses ever. He and I were good buddies. 
Um, and he was the kind of dude that sat down at night and ate like a whole bag of mini Snickers and drank, you know, half jug of milk and was 6'1", 175, you know. Now, you have also been known to do such a thing. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I'm talking about it right now, and I'm just – I'm getting bloated, like my stomach's sticking out. Um, but, no, I mean, if, if I could be one of those dudes that could just eat anything and do anything I wanted to do and uh, and, and and not gain weight and all that stuff, uh, not have any health problems or and none have arisen yet, but, you know, they will. I know they will because, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm very much an undesirable and faulty in so many different ways. Uh, but yeah, it'd probably be something like that. But uh, I can, can't give the guy that can't give the answer that that the guy said when you said it. Hey, <laughs> I, I just couldn't I couldn't nail the delivery like that. Guys. I th- honestly with like I, I I'll be I started thinking about the question for today, and that question popped into my head, and I was like, oh man, what a great question. And then I was like, wait a second, that was just on that video I sent him. Like I didn't come up with this at all. Yeah, um, that was also uh, too. I, I will say for next week we, we need to coordinate because I've been a little upset throughout this whole show. I feel like we are looking somewhat similar tonight, maybe in a way that is unfortunate. Winning. Yeah. <laughs> Jake Rowe, Law Firm, baby. We got, the, we got the, the kind of dark blue shirts on, the hats, the beards are coming. You're not you're not rocking the mullet, but that's all right. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's not far, dude. I, I, I need to I I rock a mullet, though. Yeah, I, got my, sure. I got my hair tucked behind my ears. I need to um, – Oh man, Dylan Brooks is getting close over here. He's 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 just he's getting real close over oh, here. He is, he is, he's so close. <laughs> yeah, he's getting really close. All right, guys, that is it. Uh, one of the longest uh, shows ever. Um, listen, I'm excited about some of the guys I texted today about coming on. Hell, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you we're hoping to have Brandon Adams on soon. Um, we don't we got to work around a, uh, a baseball schedule um, with kids. Uh, but Brandon uh, has expressed interest in coming on, and and God Almighty, we love that dude. We, we've expressed big interest in having yeah, Brandon. Yeah, yeah, dude. Also. I'm always interested in what Brandon Adams has got going on. There's not a better human on the planet. Uh, also checked in with my buddy Josh Pate today, and uh, got some positive feedback there. So he he can come on and show us how to do this. Um, also very big man crush on that dude, love him to death. And, and there's not a better dude in the world. So hopefully we'll have those guys on real soon. Uh, and, uh, no, we're going to have just a Jake and Jake show here pretty soon as well, too. Um, just to kind of, uh, you know, do some life updates and, uh, maybe field some questions from you guys who want guys who want to talk about something other than football. And, uh, we'll talk about some football too. You got anything else to send them out on the roost? I reckon that's it, man. Looking forward to uh, these next coming weeks. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll have some spring practice to talk about, not only on the uh, Georgia show, but uh, uh, hopefully here with you soon. All right, man. Go poke a couple holes in the film and get that tiki masala cooked up behind it. Let's go. We'll see you guys later. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.